Hello, everyone. This is Martin Pitella for Life Enthusiast Podcast. With me today, Spencer Feldman of Remedy Link. Spencer is an inventor and developer and a relentless researcher, and his main focus has been the detoxification of the humans. We all are under the bombardment of the fruits of the industrial age that we have rained upon us. What do you say of that, Spencer? Uh, gosh, can we, let, let's let's pose this in a more hopeful way. Let's say um, the human body is very resilient and we're going to learn how to enjoy the conveniences of modern technology and still be healthy. How's that? Oh, that's so hopeful. Oh, yes. So um, today I wanted to talk about histamine and um, if that works for you. It works great for me. My histamine is one miserable wench. She oh. hits me hard frequently. Oh, well, um, let me tell you how I got what it, how I got into studying histamine and the kind of journey it took me on. So uh, I had a good friend of mine uh, who had high histamine levels. So histamine is uh, it's the stuff that that gives allergic causes allergic reactions, right? So uh, itching, sneezing, wheezing, you know, um, food sensitivities, but a lot more. And we're going to get into yeah. it. Skin he, yeah. yeah, you know, so here's the thing. If you're listening to this and saying, well, I, I don't have skin problems and, you know, I don't have food intolerances, keep listening because you're going to find out that histamine might be behind some a chronic things are going on for you that you had no idea were allergies. It was certainly the case for me. Uh, so I started doing this when I was working on trying to help a friend who had um, mold sensitivities, right? You know, 25% of the homes, at least in the United States, have mold in them. Uh, so as I'm studying mold sensitivity, what I realize is it's part of something bigger. It's a histamine problem. And so I started trying to figure, and then as I'm doing that, I'm realizing, wow, um, this is causing problems that a lot of people now, I knew initially that histamine was like skin itching and hives and, and sinus stuff. Um, but like I said, it can cause trouble anywhere in the body. So histamine is both a hormone and a neurotransmitter. And there are receptors for histamine all throughout the body. And thankfully, they're labeled H1, H2, H3, and H4. They made it easy for us to remember. Okay. So the H1 and H2 histamine receptors, they're in the skin and the gut and the lungs. And these are the kind of allergic symptoms that you're familiar with, right? Hives or, or you know, hay fever or upset stomach, that kind of thing. Yeah, wheezing. Throwing up. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, less well-known is that the H1 and H2 receptors are also found in the muscles, the joints, the heart, the nerves, the prostate, the uterus, the bladder, you name it, you'll find them somewhere. And so, you know, how would this manifest? What happens if someone gets a histamine response in the muscles or joints? Well, that's, you know, pain and arthritis. In the heart, it could be high or low blood pressure, dizziness, um, arrhythmias, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, also known as POTS. In the nerves, you can get chronic pain or neuropathy. Uh, in the uterus, uh, you can get PMS, miscarriages, or con uh, difficulty conceiving a child. That could be histamine. In the bladder, uh, that manifests as interstitial cystitis, or pain or burning on urination. Now, that's just the H1 and H2 receptors. There's two more that we know of. There's H3 and H4. Now, 
H3 goes to the central nervous system. That's the spinal cord in the brain. And here's where it gets a little tricky. High histamine in the body is inflammation. And, you know, inflammation is annoying. Tissue swells and it itches or it hurts. But high histamine in the brain is deadly because there's nowhere for a swollen brain to expand into. It's in a rigid skull. Brain swelling can be fatal, which is why, you know, in an emergency room, they'll actually drill a little hole to relieve the pressure. So histamine also regulates neurochemical release on the brain. So even a mildly elevated brain histamine can cause uh, one that wouldn't cause dangerous swelling could cause mania or other neurological symptoms uh, if the a particular neurotransmitter starts jumping up too high. So to protect the brain from the effects of high histamine, there's a special receptor called the H3 histamine receptor in the brain. And when it senses high histamine blood levels, it decreases the brain histamine as a safety measure. So when someone's histamine goes up in the body, for some people, it will paradoxically go down in the brain. Now, the other issue is some people have an overactive H3 histamine receptor. Now, normally, the way a receptor is supposed to be is it's off, some environmental cue turns it on, and then when the cue has been resolved, the receptor turns off again, it gets blocked, right? Uh, however, some people have a genetic defect where a particular receptor is stuck in the on position, where its base operating level might be 20% on. So it's always on, and then it can go even to 100%, but it never really turns off. And this is called constitutive activity. So there are people that have constitutive activity in their H3 receptors. So what happens is histamine is regulating the release of the neurotransmitters. That's acetylcholine, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA. If the blood histamine goes up, this causes low brain histamine, right? And especially if they have the constitutive activity and it's already being dropped down. Now, what could that create? Well, headaches, brain fog, difficulty waking up in the morning, difficulty regulating body temperature, vertigo, nausea. Now, if you want to be specific, low acetylcholine makes it hard to learn or remember things. Low dopamine decreases motivation and hung, uh, hunger and uh, um, pleasure. Yeah. And in the extreme leads to Parkinson's. Low um, serotonin leads to depression. Low norepinephrine leads to difficulty focusing and ADHD. And low GABA makes it hard to relax or to get deep restorative sleep. What I am describing is how someone can have an allergic brain or an allergic uh, central nervous system. There and are, th there are so many people that call me with all this variety of symptoms. And it's, it's, uh, well, you started on it, headaches, but being either overstimulated by the environment or unable to respond to the environment or being stuck, you meant, you called it stuck in the on position. These are the ADD adult onset ADD or ADHD. It's, it's, now a real thing and i'm thinking well maybe you are just developing enough of the allergic reaction because the histamine is the allergic signaling molecule that you have now become allergic enough to become an add yeah i think allergic brain phenomena is um behind a lot of chronic conditions that people just can't shake because we don't really see it as an allergy but you have to treat it like an allergy and we'll get into it in a bit. There are not 
you know, a lot of good uh, antihistamines for the brain. Okay, so moving on, then we have the H4 receptors, and that's the immune system. Uh, so let's talk about two immune cells with H4 receptors. That's mast cells and macrophages. The mast cells are the main producers of histamine in the body. They're a very ancient part of the immune system. They actually predate antibodies. Uh, and they trigger the white blood cells to attack bacteria, virus, and fungi. Parasitic worms, on the other hand, are too large to be hurt by white blood cells, like the macrophages. So the mast cells release histamine to trigger a different kind of reaction for these, right? Because historically, humans, uh, up until very recently, uh, parasites were, you know, a very major part of human existence. If, you know, when when you talk about the the people out in you know, um, the Amazon, uh, these people are riddled with parasites. Um, now, in some cases, you know, some parasites that the human body can learn to coexist with, but in a lot of cases, um, primitive people in, in, in some parts of the world are having, you know, it, we shouldn't romanticize it, you know, having continuous chronic parasitosis is no, no fun thing. In any case, um, we have historically had a very, had to deal with parasites for up until, you know, uh, modern sanitation, uh, you know, washing clothes and wearing shoes and, 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 and food and sanitation, things like this. So our bodies are primed to be able to have a robust antiparasitic response. So let's talk about what that is. On the skin, uh, histamine as a response to parasites creates itching. Uh, so it's making us want to scratch the parasite off. In the gut, it creates diarrhea so we can flush the parasites out. In the lungs, it creates coughing so we can cough the parasites out. Uh, and mind you, parasites aren't always worms, right? They're just organisms that are, that are, you know, as opposed to like a bacteria that, you know, either kills you or... Um, yeah. Yeah, parasites are like a unique kind of thing, right? I mean, they can, they can, they don't have to necessarily be a worm, um, but they're going to manipulate the immune systems in, in lots of different ways. So, and we could do a talk just about parasites, but in the sinuses, histamine makes you want to sneeze the parasite out. And in the eyes, it creates tears and itching, so you wash it out. So, and this is a great strategy, um, but it can also backfire on us, right? So high histamine and the mast cell activation that um, that releases the histamine can trick the body into thinking that we have a parasitic infection when we don't, right? So that's one way we get allergies the skin, the lung, the sinuses, and, all, and the gut reactions that accompany allergies are basically the body thinking it's got a parasite that it needs to get out, but it's not there. Right. Yeah, I've, I've heard of people who have this mast cell degranulation or mast cell syndrome where they just have these runaway, I don't know what, periods of just a horrible reaction and oftentimes triggered by food or environmental stimuli. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things we need to do is we need to kind of unwind that program in the immune system. We'll, we'll get there. So macrophages are the white are white blood cells, macro, big, phage, eater. So they're the big eaters. They go around and eat things. And they also have these H4 receptors. And when they're activated, they cause cholesterol to accumulate in themselves and nearby tissues. Uh, so when this process happens in the liver, it's called fatty liver disease. Uh, if it happens in the arteries, it's called atherosclerosis. And what this means is that atherosclerosis and fatty liver uh, have allergic components to them. Okay, 
So we need to broaden our understanding of histamine and allergies. Allergies don't just cause itchy skin, uh, a stuffy nose, or give us foods we can't eat. High histamine can affect any tissue in the body and is a fundamental player in chronic diseases that people can't figure out. So what do we do? Well, should we avoid foods high in histamine? Yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, and then there's also foods that aren't high in histamine themselves, but those that trigger histamine. And that would be like, you know, citrus. And when I find someone who's um, got what I think is a histamine disorder, you know, usually these people are addicted to something that they don't realize is high in histamines, like avocados, or they eat a lot of uh, a lot of canned food or something like that. Yeah, let's just name a few. So fermentation produces that. Aging produces that. So sauerkraut, red wine, uh, steak that's been aged. Those yeah. are the classics, right? Aged cheese is another. Yeah, most probiotics are will release histamine. Um, I do make my own yogurt, although I don't use dairy. I, I ferment carrot juice, but I ferment it with histamine-reducing bacteria rather than histamine-producing bacteria. I find that's uh, more useful. That's super clever. That should get pushed out in a paper. Right. So definitely what you want to do is you want to go online and take a look at the high histamine foods if you think this is going on for you and uh, just back off those for a little while. Uh, compounds that cause our body to release histamine are, all, are made by plants as a way to deter animals from eating them. Uh, one class of histamine releasing agents are called lectins. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of podcasts on lectins. So if you're allergic to nightshades or peanuts or other foods, it's likely lectins causing a reaction, and that's histamine again. Uh, and now here's interesting. It's not just foods that uh, also airborne allergens like mold uh, can trigger uh, mast cells, as can chron uh, chronic infections, but so can electromagnetic fields. Some uh, some people are literally allergic to electromagnetic fields. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but you can look it up in the published medical journals. Yeah. Somehow mast cells learn to interpret an electromagnetic field as an allergen. Yeah, I heard Dr. Paul, Martin Paul, talk about the uh, voltage-gated calcium channel. That's the process by which it happens, yes. Right, and he talks about, well, you when you put the correct vibration frequency onto a cell, it gets triggered into the stress response through this external electromagnetic influence. Yep. And off yep. we go, right? And so as, as the cell uh, now starts reacting, it is uh, essentially telling you, be stressed, which histamine is the molecule signaling molecule of stress right so the body is going to create an allergic reaction to it and then depending on a person's genetics as to which histamine receptors in which tissue get activated right you could have four people you could have a group of people all who are electromagnetically sensitive but each of them manifests in a different way because of which which parts of their body are interpreting that signal in that manner and it usually has to do with some kind of previous injury and we'll get there so EMS sensitivity is actually worse than a food sensitivity, in my opinion, because you can choose not to eat tomatoes, but how are you going to avoid EMF? You know, you have to go up into the mountains. Uh, another hard one is being sensitive to the sun, uh, you know, allergic to the sun. Uh, these people aren't hypochondriacs. Their body is interpreting uh, ultraviolet light as, a, as an allergen. Uh, so it's something we're going to have to deal with, right? Uh, another issue is that once mast cells get activated, they persist for a long time. So when histamine activates H4 receptors on mast cells, they infiltrate into the local tissue. And then inside the tissue, they cause they make more histamine, causing more infiltration in a self-reinforcing cycle, 
that causes the tissue itself to become more uh, allergic and reactive as time goes on. Injuries can also uh, cause uh, mast cells to enter tissue, including concussions. So mast cells are part of the initial healing process. Like pull, they're part of what brings um, the edges of a wound closer together. But if a person's healing process gets derailed, then the mast cell can enter the injured tissue and it never leaves. It just keeps accumulating. So we know what a physical scar is, Martin, but what I'm describing is an immunological scar. Basically, it's post-traumatic stress disorder at a tissue level. Injured tissue can become allergic tissue if mast cells don't leave. And, you know, eventually people can become allergic to everything. Uh, now, in order to stop this allergic and inflammatory cycle, we need to get the mast cells to leave. But to do that, we need to stop triggering the H4 receptors. We need to lower excessive histamine. So what are our options? What about taking antihistamine drugs? Well, there's three issues with that. First, while there are well-tolerated antihistamines for the H1 and H2 receptors, remember, remember that's the skin, the gut, the lungs, the antihistamines for the H3 and H4 receptors have a lot of side effects and require a specialist to oversee. And while antihistamine drugs can be effective at resolving symptoms, they don't address the underlying cause of the dysfunction. So, you know, within as little as one to three weeks, a person can start developing a tolerance to the antihistamine drugs, then you have to keep taking more and more. Uh, and then regular antihistamines can have, they also now know they cause side effects that shows that there's an increase in cancer and infertility over time with antihistamine drugs. And if you take them when you're pregnant, then you're, the immune system of your child can, and their histamine system and their brain can be all out of whack. So what do we do? Okay, first, you know, what's the person allergic to? If it's a food, avoiding the offending food can help. And an elimination diet can help you figure this out. There's also useful blood tests you can do at home. And if you're going to do that, you want to get both allergy and intolerance, right? An allergy is something that happens immediately and an intolerance happens a couple of hours later. Yeah. The intolerances are harder to catch because, you know, if I eat a tomato, within half an hour, my joints hurt. Yeah. But, you know, if I eat like eggs, the next day I'm not as smart. Right. Right, this, I get mentally dull. Yeah, this that's, from a, that's, the, that's an intolerance. Yeah, and from because, a medical, because, yeah, from a medical perspective, there are different immunoglobulins, right? The, the yes. IgG, IgA, IgM, whatever, and they have a different uh, react reaction time. So yeah. the, some of them they they fire up right now, others with a delay. That's what you're talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And yes, it, there are different immunolog uh, immunoglobulins that do this, and the ones that take a couple of hours to hit. Because it happens later, you might not realize it. And if you're, say, eating eggs every day, well, then you never notice it because you never get a, a an initial spike of a reaction from it. It's just a slow degradation of your system from something you're eating continuously. Yeah. So let's look at a case study. I mentioned I started by researching a friend. Uh, and in her case, it wasn't food that she was allergic to. But here are the clues I had. She got worse during smoke season. She got worse when cooking food. She got worse in wet weather. And she got about 30% better when we fixed her microbiome. Now, what do these have in common? Well, three of them are airborne, and we'll get back to the microbiome in a minute. So it was an airborne uh, allergy. So what's in the air we can react to? So mold, I actually made a mistake. It's actually 70% of homes have mold in them. And 80% of homes have dust mites. Okay, so it had to, the house had to be cleared of mold that was uh, in a couple of rooms. Uh, propane. Mercaptan is added to propane because you can't smell propane, but they add mercaptan in it so that if there's a leak, 
you'll know there's a propane leak. So uh, when propane burns, the mercaptan is uh, gets turned into sulfur dioxide, and that's an allergen for some people. It was for her. So uh, either stop using propane stoves indoors or get a vent and, and suck the air out. Okay, pollen. Uh, over 25% of the population is diagnosed with pollen allergies every year. And then you've got pollution. That's things like volatile uh, VOCs, um, particulates, nitrogen oxides. These all trigger histamine releases. Yeah, just um, think think about the uh, plastics in your automobile that uh, get heated in the sunshine. They release mm. and step in. in. But furniture, flooring, uh, fire retardants on your bedding and children's pajamas. It's just, yeah. it's just really long list of stuff. Yeah. Um, diesel is a particularly bad offender. So if you live in a city or near a major highway, you're getting exposed. So what can we do? What, what, what could we do for this woman? So she cooked with propane. So she got a vented hood installed over a propane stove for pollen and mites and mold. She had HEPA filters and cleaned the mold out and these changes helped, but it wasn't enough. Right. Um, so diving deeper into it, we found out that uh, there's a couple more things we need to do for these people. Now, also helping her microbiome helped. Why is that? Because if you have the wrong bacteria growing in your gut, it makes it that that bacteria will make histamine. Um, so for instance, um, like if you have fish is a, is a high offender uh, for histamine. And the reason is there's bacteria that's in the, gall the gills of fish. And if you go and catch a fish in your local lake or river and you kill it and fillet it and cook it up right then and they're good to go. But when you're buying fish that was on a giant uh, line out at sea uh, for two hours before they pulled it up and that fish was dead for two hours and then they pull it in and then it, they have to clean it. And by the time it finally gets in cold enough for bacteria to stop growing, it might've been a couple of hours, the bacteria in the gill of the fish can colonize the fish. And now you eat that and you can get what's, you know, you know in, the, in the worst case, you get what's called scromboid poisoning. But in mild cases, it just bumps up your histamine levels. Um, and the thing about histamine is you can't taste it. Uh, you can't smell it. You can't see it. And you can't cook it away. It's very resistant to cooking. So, um, right. So fish is an issue. Uh, all right. So what can we do, do for the woman? We, we got our we got our better, but not 100%. So I came up with four things that I wanted to do for people that were dealing with high histamine and mast cell activation. First is I wanted to reprogram the immune system so they'd stop reacting to things they shouldn't react to. The second is I wanted to suppress the biochemical creation of histamine in the, in the body from the amino acid histidine, right? Because even if you don't eat histamine, you can make it. Three, I wanted to stabilize the mast cells and the basophils and the other cells that actually have histamine in them because there's still going to be some histamine in these cells and I don't want them... I don't want them trigger happy. I don't, I, yes, there's a time for them to be released, but um, not as often as what's going on with people with histamine problems. And then finally, for the histamine that is still activated and manufactured and released, I want the body to, the, to have the ability to break it down so it's just not sitting in there with a huge, a really long half life causing trouble for hours and hours and hours. We want to break it down before it can uh, get onto the histamine receptors. So to do this, I came up with the following uh, formula. So the first one is uh, rosemary, or rosemarinic acid, actually, is the active ingredient. And we know from the scientific journals that uh, 
rosemary extract can reprogram the immune system by clearing out hyperreactive T cells. What that means is it's going to make the, the cells that have learned uh, to be immune, uh, to have alert, it's going to take those cells that have that allergic program and it's going to um, induce them or suggest to them that maybe they need to take one from the team and and die and clear themselves out because they're not helping us. So rosemarinic acid is how you re-educate the immune system. Then you have um, green tea extract. Um, what the, that does the, the, is you want to use the decaffeinated version. Uh, and what that does is, is it suppresses the enzyme histidine decarboxylase. And that's what turns histidine, the amino acid you eat, into histamine. So that can minimize the amount that you're making on board, right? Quercetin is another famous one. Uh, and what that does is it stabilizes the mast cells and basophils so that they don't get released inappropriately. And then you've got uh, something, an enzyme called di uh, en diamine oxidase, or DAO for short. Yep. And that's one of two enzymes that the body uses to break down uh, histamine. It, yep. It's what breaks down histamine in the extracellular areas. Yeah. So there are a good many people who have this particular defect where they make just a little bit of histamine, but it just stays on. Right, because they don't have DAO. They, yep. they don't do it. Um, DAO uh, it would have to be done liposomally uh, because uh, it would, wouldn't survive digestion. There are DAO products out there, but if you can't get them into your bloodstream, then all they're going to do is work in your gut, which if someone just has a gut allergy and that's all they've got, fine. But um, you don't know if what's going on is in other tissue. Uh, so you would want to have it uh, enter the bloodstream. So uh, so to solve that, I put, it, I, I put all those things as a liposomal form. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a major win. It was, it was very useful. Uh, the product, uh, you know, and when I saw how helpful it was to, uh, the woman that I made a test batch for, uh, and I realized how many people actually were probably dealing with something similar, I made it as a product. It's called Tessimet. And, uh, so that's now available for people who want to. Uh, yeah. I, to I think it's a major win because combining these things into a simple package and just focusing it is good. I remember uh, years ago, when I still had allergies, I used rosmanol, which is a trade name for rosemary, or rose, yeah, rosemary extract oil, and I would take like twelve, 12 drops of it straight, mm -hmm. and um, completely reset me, mm -hmm. mainly the allergic reactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because so, we have we have to. We have to get these immunologic scars out of the tissue. We have to calm the system down. Now, a couple of other things. Um, you should be taking some form of magnesium because uh, a magnesium deficiency uh, can increase histidine decarboxylase uh, 30 times. So what that does is it, it'll massively raise histamine levels. So you don't want to have a magnesium deficiency. And then also you want to pull the toxic chemicals out of the body because uh, to, you know, toxic chemicals also can activate mast cells to uh, release histidine, histamine. And so yeah. you can look at our Xenoplex product. Is that your favorite EDTA line? Uh, that would be the Xenoplex, the uh, the coffee uh, yeah. enema suppository with uh, all the conjugating chemical detoxifiers. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other things. Um, don't eat leftovers. You know, if it's in the fridge, you know, it's going to start developing histamine bacteria. Um, and again, Limit citrus, avocados, anything fermented, and that's also alcohol, beer, wine, cheese. Don't eat anything out of a can. Um, you want to limit alcohol. 
Uh, alcohol dehydrogenase is an enzyme that our body uses to metabolize alcohol, but it's also used to make the DAO enzyme to break down histamine. So if your body's busy detoxifying alcohol, then it can't detoxify histamine as well. Yeah. I've known people who call themselves allergic to alcohol. Mm. Yeah, sure. Which, you so, know, you take alcohol and raise all the allergenicity throughout your body for everything else, right? Sure, sure. Wow. Makes sense. Um, another thing your your listeners can do is if they're confident that their only histamine reaction is in their gut, um, you can actually make your own DAO enzyme by sprouting uh, peas or lentils or chickpeas in the dark, uh, and they'll make a lot of DAO. But again, that will only work for the gut. It won't get into the bloodstream. That's an interesting thing about in the dark. Tell me about that. It's That's just what the research shows, that that's how you trigger the, these, plant, these uh, particular sprouts to generate DAO. Don't know why. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, uh, you may, you can also, and then initially when you're getting over it, you want to avoid cold weather, physical vibration and sunburns, because all three of those can release, you know, yeah. release that. Yeah, that means don't ride in a car to the beach. Yeah. So, you know, some of us have these genetic mutations, like you said, we just don't make a lot of DAO. And so, whereas the average person might get a little histamine and their body clears it out immediately, other people make a little bit of histamine and it stays around not for hours and hours and hours and never clears. So, you know, right now, methylation defects are are the darling of the functional medicine world. I think we're going to find that uh, DAO defects are, are going to be uh, major players as well. Um, vaccine adjuvants also trigger allergies. In fact, uh, that's what they're designed to do. Uh, yeah. You know, so if someone, you know, for the people who get uh, over 15, 50 vaccinations, you know, by before they're 18, you know, uh, with yeah. more every year they're priming themselves for more and more allergic reactions. Right. Yeah, that's that's my famous last straw that broke the camel's back. You're you're just slowly increasing the burden until whew, finally you just break it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, um it's also uh, histamine is associated with Lyme disease, some of the uh, things you see with people who have chronic Lyme disease, that's histamine responses. Um it's also associated with long covid. Uh, or forget long COVID, spike proteins. Um, yeah. Okay, so the challenge with spike proteins and we can is that if someone got vaccinated, um, they gave an instruction to their DNA now, they've been genetically altered in such a way that their body makes spike proteins, but there's no off signal. Right? They're making spike proteins, but you know the way the human body works is epigenetically, one, your DNA is told, turn this on under this condition, and then epigenetically, they're told, okay, turn it off. We're done. We don't need any more of that particular thing. But with spike proteins, there's no off switch. There's no off signal. They just gave an on signal. So people are constantly generating spike proteins, and that can uh, trigger mast, um, mast cell release and histamine release in the heart and in other places. Yeah. Uh, and we can do a podcast about something we're going to be um, releasing in about two months uh, for spike proteins. And when that All comes right. out, we can talk about it. Bracket it. Watch for this over here coming later so yeah so you know histamine uh, really you should only histamine should only last about you know one to two minutes in the body right um that's how that's the half that's how long it should that's how quickly it should get broken down um yeah. uh, but there are people right and you check them they've got their their histamine is in there for hours and you know if it's in their brain for hours or in their muscles for hours or in their joints for hours and then they're gonna have to deal with that so clearing out the clearing the histamine out it doesn't take long 
you know, you can, you can get some pretty quick effects once you start mm -hmm. um, breaking it down into tissue. All now, right. uh, another thing you can do is you could also add bitters. You know, we have our Zoibin product. You could add bitters um, if, uh, with uh, our testament histamine protocol. And that's because mast cells have the TAS2, R, uh, the TAS2R bitter receptor on their surface. So, you know, you can taste bitter things on your tongue, but actually those receptors are throughout the body. Our whole body can taste bitter. Um, it's, a, it's, it's an ancient protocol for the body. And uh, bitter receptors in the body do multiple things. The bitter receptors actually stabilize mast cells. So um, in addition to quercetin, anything bitter, Will uh, can can work to start suppressing right. mass cell release. So would and, you say would you say things like uh, endives, rockets? Yeah, sure, dandelion, all those things. Dandelion or, or berberine and gentian, if you really you know want to go at it. Um, yeah. One of the things that's amazing is that when mast cells are activated to release their their histamine, the bitter receptors increase in number. This is because the body knows that chronic mast cell activation is damaging. And it increases the bitter receptors so that when it's time to turn off the mast cell migration into the tissue and the histamine release, it can do it quickly. It's like, hey, as soon as we're done, we're turning this off, right? So that means that, you know, and, you know, historically, we'd be eating bitters all the time because, you know, foods historically were very bitter. If you were to eat a grape or a carrot or an apple from, you know, ancient Rome, it would have been very bitter. And we've selected, uh, genetically selected to breed uh, those sweeter, less bitter plants, so, so that now, two thousand years later, are you know the food that we eat is much sweeter and much less bitter. So you know there are, uh, the body is saying, okay, I'm making all these bitter receptors, and you no, know, the next time you go out and eat something, I'm going to get a bunch of bitter food, and we're going to turn this reaction off. But you know we don't eat bitter foods, so. Okay. So help me outline a bit of a protocol here. So we have a person who's identified themselves like, oh yeah, this is me. What uh, do we do with the testament? How do we take it? So basically you you would start with uh, one uh, every eight hours, right? Or one with each meal. Uh, and then work your way back. You know, see if you're getting a response, right? Um, you, you, you want to also look at um, the environmental cues. So get off the histamine uh, containing and the histamine releasing foods, you know, put it in an air filter and then try testament every eight hours. And if within a day or two, you're noticing a huge difference, okay, you know, do that for, you know, a couple of days and then slowly back off of it. Try it every 12 hours and then try it once a day and then find the minimum you need to get the results you're looking for. I, you know, I mean, I'll be, I'll take one a day every day just because I, we live in a world that's constantly trigger, creating and triggering allergies, right? I didn't vaccinate either of my kids, but I got the full dose of vaccines. Mm -hmm. I got all those immun immunological scars. Um, I, so uh, I'm, you know, we're constantly exposed to things that are, that are, that are triggering allergies. So yeah. for me, I'll do one a day the rest of my life, just as a counter to that, you know, uh, that pressure that um, uh, the environment's putting on me. Right. So if I'm going to eat my avocado or sauerkraut sandwich, oh, I, uh, I better I better grab a testament uh, along with it, right? Um, maybe you do the testament like ten minutes, before, you know, like half an hour before, something like that. Right. Ten minutes before, right. prep it, prep it that way. And I'm not saying don't ever eat, you know, uh, histamine-containing foods. What I'm saying is, you know, understand the the 
what histamine is doing for your body in particular. Understand how sensitive you are to it. And then you decide, you know, what you can get away with. Um, maybe you can get away with eating an avocado once a day and, and you're fine. Or maybe a single avocado knocks you out and, and, you know, when you stop doing it, suddenly you find that your fatigue and your brain fog is gone. So just experiment for yourself. Right on. This is awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from our clients how this is working for them in their life. Spencer, thank you so much for introducing us to Tessamit and first of all, creating it. This is wonderful. You're welcome. It was great talking to you again, Martin. Thank you, Spencer Feldman. This has been Martin Patella for life-enthusiast.com. You can reach us at 1-866-543-3388.